Hello and welcome to our audience. This is Modern Medicine Roundtable, episode three. We are so happy to gather here today and we're gonna open our space with a little meditation and creating a sacred space for today's conversation. So let's just close our eyes. And all of you who are listening, you're welcome to join in and tap into this energy. Just coming back to our body, back to our breath, feeling our feet on the ground. And just imagining ourselves like a big tree with our roots firmly planted in the Mother Earth, going deep down into the earth. And our crown is extending towards the sky, towards the sun. And in the center is our heart. And just coming back to this heart space. Maybe you're feeling your heartbeat or sensing your blood flow through your veins. And I invite you as you breathe, just release any tension, any discomfort with the exhale. And just visualize that it's going down through your roots, deep into the earth, into the womb of the Mother Earth to recycle, to alchemize, to be reborn, to transform. And as we inhale, we are receiving the power of the Mother Earth, nurturing nourishment, unconditional love into our hearts. And through our crown, we are connecting to the higher realms, to our ancestors, all those who walk this path before us, all the beings of love and light, inviting our higher selves to be present in this space. Inviting our spirit guides our guides from the angelic realms to be here with us now to guide us, protect us. I'm taking a moment to anchor the four directions around us, north, east, south, and west. Becoming aware of the presence of the guardians of the directions the representatives of the four elements of earth, air, fire, water, and the fifth element that is ether that connects all things and resides in our heart. I'm just feeling into our heart space, into that pure, place of original innocence and unconditional love. I'm just imagining a rainbow colored light shooting 
from our hearts into all directions, connecting us with all hearts of love and light. just anchoring our intentions in our hearts into this space into this moment as we gather today in service to provide information insight support to all those who are looking at this moment to expand their awareness and to remember who they truly are. And just remember for a second, for a moment that we are eternal beings, spiritual beings of unconditional love. And we are here to express and embody that love and to pour that love into everything that we do in every moment, every day. And we are here together to walk this path of the one heart and one unity consciousness. Let's just take another deep breath, bringing any small movements that may feel good to you right now, just honoring your body and gently opening the eyes whenever you're ready, coming back to our space. So big welcome. <clears throat> I am here with my two dear sisters, Carmel and Kelly. You met Carmel in the previous episode, so I'm going to give Kelly a few moments to introduce herself. And we were anticipating some amazing men to join us, but some technical difficulties prevented them to come today. So we are including <clears throat> the masculine in this circle also and their energy and their hearts and hopefully they will join us next time so before we dive into our topic today which is the integrity of the healer i'm gonna just give kelly the stick sister just to introduce yourself and tell us a few words about who you are i heard stick sister and i'm sure that's not what you said <laughs> Uh, I'm Kelly Love, and thank you so much, Nina, for having me. And as you are aware, I love this topic of integrity. I love it. I live for it. And actually, a lot of work that I do is around integrity, but it's the internal integrity. It's learning to feel the truth of what's going on inside of us, what it's, what, what it's like for our soul to live our human experience, and begin to shift that. So... Some of the things that I do are body reading. I can actually look at how a body is shaped, posture, mannerisms, languaging, skin health, tissue health, all of it. And it tells a story of what it's like living your human experience. 
So I guide people through this process of understanding this language and beginning to see where their body is holding on to subconscious programming, maybe pain, maybe, maybe trauma. And then through a series of exercises and posture corrections and somatic work, they can begin to shift their life and create the life that they're truly desiring, what their soul came here to express. And then I've also been trained in um, releasing trauma from the body and temple arts. And for those of you who aren't aware what temple arts are, that's somatic healing modalities. It's bringing back the, the high priest and priestess arts of facilitating healing with the people. So I've been training that. And I also cultivate sacred sensual temple spaces, which, uh, yeah, maybe I'll share about that another time. So thank you for having me. Thank you, sister. No, it was dear sister, just to... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, excuse me for my English is not my first language. Um, yeah, good to have you here. And, you know, for all of you who are listening for the first time, all of our information will be uh, posted in the description of the video. So if you want to connect with any of us who you resonate with, please feel free to reach out and go to our websites and read more if you're interested. Okay, so I'm super excited about this topic as well. <clears throat> and I think it's just you know, it, it, it's not just for healers and teachers, but it can apply to any area, really. But because we are all healers and teachers here, that's, that's the angle that we're going to take today. So the first uh, question that I would like to reflect on is what does integrity means to you as a person, as a healer, as a teacher? And what does it mean to you to, to walk the talk, you know, in your life and in your practice? So I'm going to, we're going to just go from, um, I'm going to give it to Carmel and then to Kelly and back to me, and we're going to circle around like this. Okay. So Carmel. Okay. So hi, sisters. Hi, everybody. So integrity. So I just want to read um, an important piece that, that resonates with me by Hal Lindsay, who said that man can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only for about one second without hope. And why I feel that that is really relevant to me is that integrity often is, is interrelated with the sensation of hope, because if we don't have integrity within us, it can feel like a really hopeless position. So for me, that sense of hope that I bring to myself is what I also take into my therapeutic environment. And when I work with people, if they don't feel that hope within me, it's not going to be that reflection that they pick up within themselves. So in a way, I'm holding that sense of integrity with them to enable them to recognize what they've forgotten or um, what they've lost for whatever reason, as I've lost it times before in my life, and then have to re-remember what integrity is for me. So in some ways, I see myself as uh, the holder of hope, um, and, and that's a real place of integrity. So it's about creating a sacred space of acceptance 
and bringing that peace within me that I bring into that symbiotic relationship with the other. Um, it, and that is such an integral place because if I don't bring that, then what is there? There is just that emptiness otherwise. So for me, uh, that's one part is acceptance, acceptance of my integrity and acceptance of my clients. And that I also hold suspension so that, that the space is, is empty, that is filled with hope. It's that duality or that it, it just is that place of what is about to be born. So the suspension of what may or may not come within that space and allowing just that beautiful holding. So setting boundaries for that space, that sacred space of integrity to grow. And at this point, that's kind of where I'm feeling I want to hold that, like this integrity right now in that space, that openness of space. And if it's okay, I'd like to give the stick now to you, Nina. Thank you. Thank you, sister. Kelly passing you the stick now. Thank you for that beautiful explanation, viewpoint. Thank you for that. Um, for me, integrity has been quite an interesting journey. So I would say previously, integrity was right and wrong, black and white, um, sin and not sin. This is how I was raised. And as I've grown and understood more about my body and the world, I feel like integrity is more um, looking at the truth of what a situation is or what a person is and living from that place. So for me, as somebody that facilitates healing, to be in integrity as a guide means that I am on this evolutionary process myself. I am living the medicine that I'm inviting people to take part of. And I'm also working on the shadows. I'm being honest about what my blind spots are or calling in the people that are able to reflect to me the blind spots because they are blind spots or calling in uh, the empowerment to uh, help me shine light in on the darkness and show me what's there, show me what's hidden from me. And integrity there for me is listening to what the message is from my body or that experience of what is desiring to shift and actually moving towards that shift. So it's living in the integrity of, of what my soul came here to express. This is how I, I can explain it on maybe a more body level of how I experience it with myself and my clients. Thanks, love. Thank you. Thank you. I, I find it so fascinating. And that's why I love these roundtables that we are bringing all these different facets together. And, you know, we are all different, but we are all, you know, the same in some way. So it's, it's just beautiful, you know, and, and I really trust that creating these places in the future will inspire more people, you know, to come together and share without wanting to be right or wrong, as Kelly said, or, you know, insisting to that one viewpoint is the perfect viewpoint and the other other viewpoint is is not good um i i really resonate with what both of you said and i think 
for me, the, the first thing that came up when I was reflecting on this is just definitely that walking the talk is just means that I'm doing, you know, what I'm asked people to do as well, you know, so that I, I am on this healing path and this healing journey and I'm continuously growing and evolving and you know, applying my own medicine, so to say, in my life and, and have my own experiences. And, and I think it's, it's so important. Um, I feel that a, a lot of healers walk this path of the wounded healer, you know, that we ended up as a space holders for others, because we were looking for healing for ourselves first, and, you know, gathered all these tools and all this wisdom along the way. And, uh, <clears throat> I always wondered, you know, why I had so many challenges in my life. And uh, uh, I, at, at some point, I really did think that it is not just or not fair, you know, all these things happening to me. I'm sure you had, you know, similar experiences. But in the end, I can see in retrospect what a gift was all, all of those challenges and obstacles in my life, because I really feel that that was so needed for me to, to develop this kind of compassion towards other people, because simply I can just feel, you know, where they are and I can relate, you know, to, to people who are going through a difficult time or suffering from something. And I really don't think that I could relate to such a deep level to people if I would never had, you know, any challenges in my own personal life. And, and, and certainly I think that uh, authenticity was the other thing that comes up for me because I think you know that these tools and these things that we are using in our own practices I don't think that the majority of them can be learned from a book you know it has to be learned you know through experience <laughs> and lived yeah exactly so um, the authenticity came up for me um, when I was thinking about integrity and just being myself and oftentimes you know I, I, I tell my clients you know my personal challenges you know and and I find that it makes me more relatable and, and people appreciate it you know that they know that okay I'm also a human being you know nobody is perfect and and and, and that you know these things connect us um, a couple of things that came up for me, honesty was was uh, something that is, I think, super important. And we are going into some values and ethics. That was another point that I wanted to talk about what are our values and ethics as a person and as a healer. Well, for me, it's, it's the same, you know, like I am, <laughs> I am all of that. So I don't have different ethics and values, you know, as a healer or mm -hmm. as a person, they are the same thing. And honesty came up for me, just being honest with myself and, and being honest with my clients, you know, and, and, and saying sometimes that I don't know, you know, I don't mm. know why is that, you know, I, I might have a, an idea about it or an opinion or whatever, but I really don't know, but I'm happy to explore or to try different things. And uh, I don't feel I have to know everything. And, and I think it's, it would be, in a way, even a little bit arrogant, you know, to pretend that I have all the answers to all the questions. So just honesty is, is really important for me in my life. That, that, that would be some of the main value that, that I hold, you know, on a very high standard. <clears throat> and then respect, you know, respecting myself, respecting other people, love and respect obviously all these things you know apply to myself first and then 
it's it's automatically applied to to other people and and sometimes that means that um i am not the best person to hold space for somebody and i just had an experience actually a couple of weeks ago when i had a client that we parted ways because i felt that i am not the, the right person you know to have this this person and mm -hmm. and i i didn't want to waste his time or his money and i didn't feel you know in resonance with that person i and and um, i think this was mutual anyway so we had a conversation about that and and we parted ways in in, in a very loving way and i think you know that that's totally okay if that happens so but um, the main, you know, thing beyond all this love and respect and honesty and authenticity, all where this comes from for me is just living from my heart instead of my mind. And I remember when I started as a <laughs> as a psychologist, as as by trade, you know, I'm a psychologist. So when I started out, I remember I used to have these like two pages of questionnaires for people, and I would spend like a whole session just going through the questionnaire and and taking their history and their medical history and their family history, and then already making my mind up what's wrong with them and what they should do or not do. And, and it was this whole mental process, you know, and and uh, I think I came a, a long way because all these tools were falling away from my practice. And and now I just really sit with the people and really listen to them from my heart, not from my mind, because I notice that sometimes my mind comes in, you know, with very strange ideas. But when I'm able to connect from that heart space it's it's a very different space where we are both sitting and it's it's always unfolds in some beautiful way so this 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 these were the things that come up so if you want to add anything carmel and maybe talk about some some values or ethics you know that you apply in your practice and how does it um you know manifest in your life giving you the sick love thank you um so ethically, it, and again, because we're all dealing um, maybe in different areas of, of what we offer, but in my work, um, it's really important that people feel safe. And sometimes safety takes time. Um, we have a kind of, uh, a, I don't know if it's a rule of thumb, but I know when I was training in the last millennia that... Um, we we had a philosophy that if somebody stayed for at least three sessions or more they felt safe enough to work with us um and and that was usually uh the way we would would know and and if they left before then obviously for whatever reason we weren't the right person so for me the first code of ethics really is to create a space of safety um where someone because of whatever we bring into the world and whatever we gain while we're here invariably it's about do we feel comfortable do we feel safe um is what we're about to embark on how does it hold value and and am i going to grow and heal because of whatever i'm investing in so when people come to me or any of us it's because they want to change something fundamental or they want to grow or they want to evolve or whatever language whatever their love language is around whatever they're needing 
So when I work with somebody, if I'm going to someone, the first, of, the first and foremost from my own experience is, do I feel safe? Do I feel resonance? Do I feel comfortable? Can I, can I, can I allow myself a safety of, of the vulnerability, a willingness to open my heart to the other human that is sitting with me or the other people that are with me? And that really takes such courage, and especially as healers, um, I often joke that we're, you know, I, I was a hair and makeup artist in the fashion industry for 20 years and, uh, you know, I never used to wear makeup and my hair was all over the place. And of course, we're in a way the worst uh, offenders. And, and it's the same thing in, in this business, really. I'm the most suspicious of people. So if I'm going to work with somebody, I'm kind of uh, really want to know, do they know, are they safe? Uh, do I feel comfortable? How will I know? Can I be vulnerable? All those things that I know people coming to me feeling the same. So, so in that regard, the, the, the most in, important primary placement for me is can I create a space of safety? And what does it mean to create a space of safety? I talked about hope earlier and creating a sense of hope for the person that I may hold for them because a lot of time I get people who come to me who who are written on at, off, I should say, written off as hopeless cases. They're the extreme, the most complex of complex, and the labels come. And, and I invite that we leave the labels and that we meet with love in that really open, naked space, whatever that may mean, not literally, but metaphorically. So... Can I do that? Can I allow myself to be as open with them as they are with me? And, and to, if I'm not giving them my, my story, which actually is not about me, if I, if I need to share something about myself, then is it aiding their story? And is it aiding their safety? And is it giving them a sense of um, safety? So ethically, my main priority is to create a sense of safety. And that is my first and foremost, if I have a kind of pillar, is, is integral for me, is can I offer, even if it's just felt sense, a sense of integrity through safety, that they are the most important person in my world in that moment, uh, bar none. So my code of ethics, obviously, we have the kind of literal sense in the medical world as a psychologist, psychotherapist or a counsellor where, where we follow our code of ethics, of ethical practice, what's, what's deemed as good practice, and they, and they should always be adhered to. Above and beyond that, um, my job is to, to create those, that, that huge sense of um, openness that the person feels comfortable with, congruence, my sense of of um, the ability for someone to feel congruent, that I am congruent and empathy, of course, is bar none. And then within that, they will heal themselves. So once I really have this truth within, my, within myself that when all the elements are in, in, in alignment, healing will just happen, whether it's with me, whether it's out there in my back garden, whether it's with my neighbor, I, I genuinely know that to be so. So, um, 
So that's where I feel right now I want to share and lovingly give the stick back to you or Kelly. Thank you, Carmel. Oh, this is so beautiful. I so resonate with this. And uh, I, I, this was the safety, of course, was on my, my list too. So I'm so happy that you, you highlighted this because I truly believe, you know, that in order to heal, we need to open up so we can access, you know, those places where we need the healing to, to kind of enter. And it's impossible, you know, if we do not feel safe, because if we are not feeling safe, that we are in fear and that fear is contracting and it's closing down and it's shutting down and it's preventing us, you know, to, to receive you know with whatever we are needing or, or asking for and I just I just loved you know what you said that when everything is in alignment healing just happens and oh thank you that was such a good reminder I truly believe that uh, to be true I you know we we use these labels healers and therapists but you know my message is people know who follow me for a while that you are the healer and love is the medicine and that something you know that exactly as Karma said you know if there are the ideal circumstances that's something that occurs and arises naturally the same I think like forgiveness you know it's like impossible to want to forgive you know you can create you know those circumstances that forgiveness will arise and will be possible so thank you for pointing that out and I'm just gonna give the chance to Kelly to to give her wisdom at her wisdom you know to this topic Thank you, ladies. I had goosebumps with the same line that Nina talked about and also goosebumps when Nina said that um, we are the healer and love is the medicine. And love has been the most powerful catalyzer of change in my life. And it's why I actually changed my last name to love because I wanted to feel the frequency, the resonance of that in me at all times. And it's literally shifted so much about how I show up in this world. And I, I feel like I'm a more loving person because I'm hearing it all the time. And I, um, for me, I, I feel like some guiding principles for me are number one, I am a guide. I tell this to all of my clients, I'm skilled and learned and educated and many things, and I'm still a guide. And it's up to the individual of how deep this work is gonna go. I will show up 100% with you. I cannot show up for you. So I, I remind people of that often. And well, every client really. And then I really focus on building trust and love. And everything that my business is built around, my modalities are built around is learning to trust ourselves, number one, and to understand that everything that comes out of us is uh, an act of love. So it's either you're loving me really well, do more of this, or please love me differently here. And so when I, I find this really important for people because we have grown up in a world where there's a lot of polarization, a lot of right and wrong, black and white. And we begin to be afraid of making quote unquote wrong decisions because of the outcomes that may come. And then we, you know, self-flatulate or what is that word? Fat flatulate is farting. Um, what's the other word? <laughs> I'm so 
so funny. Well, it's a religious term where we're like hitting ourselves. What is it, Carmel? Self-flagellation. Okay, I was really close. You were, flagellation. But I loved, I love what you said. It's so perfect, right? Yeah, so many of us are used to beating ourselves up over and over. And this is the antithetical way of actually producing uh, life inside of us. Love is what brings life into people's lives. So part of how I do that is I set a really clear container for my clients. Um, we're always uh, writing a contract together and agreeing together what this container is that we're going into. Um, there's clear consent in every process. So I, I never surprise my clients with um, uh, like a, a somatic experience that they don't understand what they're getting into. Uh, I've had experiences in the past where I have been violated through going through an experience like that because I wasn't aware of what we were getting into. And had I been aware, I just trusted, right? And so um, now what I do for my clients is I give them that opportunity to understand what they're getting into, to clearly consent to it before we go into that, because we're trying to rebuild the trust, right? It's trust with the self and then trust with me and then trust with the world. And I also, um, as, as tough as this is sometimes, I insist with myself to be truthful in my communication always even when it, it may be something that's a challenge for somebody to hear in the moment, when it's understood in the context of love and shown as, hey, I understand that this is whatever part of you that's trying to love right now. And I'm seeing that this is the outcome of that. And have you thought about doing this instead? So, Showing, like, again, acknowledging that they are a loving being, that they do desire truth, and maybe they're just a little bit off. So um, having that truthful communication and, under and, and having them understand that there's nothing to be afraid of, of standing in the truth. There's only love me better or love me like how you're loving me, love me differently or love me, you know, like how you're loving me. And then um, I, I make it a point to be very committed to each one of my clients. So th what that looks like for me is putting away the old paradigm of do, 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 do. And I have to like have as many clients as possible to validate my ego or to validate my self-esteem or to make a ton of money. I really do show up integrity with my clients in such a way that I plan it so I have the spaciousness to give them everything that they are signing up for. Um, and there's also like vulnerability and uh, transparency on my end. And why this is so important to me is because when people see that it's safe to be vulnerable and transparent and the world's not going to fall apart and you're still going to be loved, it allows it, it cultivates that environment for them as well to be vulnerable and transparent and maybe even sit in the mystery of something and the dissolution of something and trust that I'm going to be held in this and loved through this. And I would say like maybe the last, maybe not the last or so much I live by, um, 
Another really important one for me is education. Education, empowerment, um, teaching about the central nervous system, teaching body technology, really creating the space for them to make peace with how their body is functioning and understand how to work with the technology of their body instead of curse it and wonder why me? When we understand how the technology of the body works, we begin to, to uh, look at what's arising differently and engage that process differently. So for example, um, if I have anxiety, instead of demonizing the anxiety, we go into, okay, well, what's under that anxiety? What's causing it? And if you take this pill, you're just masking what's under there. So let's work with the anxiety that's coming up to hear the body and begin to shift some patterns to create that internal peace that you're really craving. Um, let me see if I feel complete. Yeah, I, I think I feel complete. Thank you. Wow, thank you, sister. This is such a good point. You know, thank you for adding your light and your wisdom to this topic. And I love this conversation. I made some notes, <laughs> but there's so much to say. We can go on, I think, for hours and hours. Um, but this was uh, on our list. We have always before the, the sessions, we have some talking points that we can think about while we are preparing. This is just sharing with our audience. So informed consent and, and, and clarity. <clears throat> It's definitely for me, as Kelly said, it's it's a huge thing to explain people what's going to happen in the sessions and what they may experience, especially for people who work with deep traumas. You know, it's it's when a trauma comes to the surface, it people can be in a great deal of distress and and sometimes in shock. You know, this I experienced in my practice, people going to in a state of shock and wanting to run out from my office. You know, and so and so forth so it's it's uh, it is um i think part of the safe container what what carmel was referring to 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 explain you know uh what we are going to do and and what may arise you know obviously we don't know what was gonna arise but you know for example if i do a breath work with my clients i tell them yeah, that you might feel this type of sensations or this and that and the other and don't be concerned it's gonna go away and it's all normal so this gives people, you know, peace of mind and relaxation uh, to, to surrender to their experience, whatever is their experience in their moment, and to, to allow that to happen, which is important part of the healing process. And I certainly had experiences um, with, as Kelly mentioned, uh, being a client with another therapist who, who, who didn't, you know, um, explained clearly what's going to happen. And, and, um, and there was, you know, like for me, crossing boundaries there, you know, and I had to say to this person in the sessions that stop doing this, you know, I'm not okay with this. And, and then I had to have a conversation with this person. And in this case, it was a male, you know, so it was even a more interesting situation when there's like, you know, the two genders and that can trigger a lot of stuff, you know, especially for, for women, you know, if you have history abuse or trauma around that, uh, even touching you in a certain way can trigger a lot of things. So I think it's, it's just so important that we are clear before we do something, you know, as much as possible. And, and, and there is an informed consent and people understand and say, yes, I would like to do that. And I feel okay with this, whatever that may be. 
And um, another thing that I really resonated with, but Kali said quality over quantity. So it's the same way for me. I never schedule clients, you know, straight after one client to another because I'm always conscious that something may happen, you know, during the session that requires extra 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever time. And, uh, and I don't feel good about, you know, saying, excuse me, your time is up. So you are in the middle of the meltdown, but come back next week to process the rest of it, you know, like, that's just, I, I don't think that's how, it, that, that's not how it works for me. So I just wanted to, you know, acknowledge that and appreciate that. And uh, um, another important thing that I super, super resonate with is educating and empowering our clients. And I, I feel that I'm more like more of a teacher than a healer. Obviously, we talked about that we can't heal anybody apart from ourselves. Like we can show a positive example and guide others on this on this healing journey. But I think it's the education is the most important part. I really feel that I teach people, you know, how to navigate their life, you know, how to navigate in intensity, overwhelm, you know, just the stress that comes with life in general, in a more confident way with more ease and confidence. And, and that's what it means, you know, empowerment for me and, and really my, my goal is, you know, for for the people not to need me, not to need sessions anymore, not to need any substance or any plant medicine or whatever, you are working with because these are all, only tools you know that are helping us to to find our way back to ourselves and back to that power you know that we all have and to remember that and to use that power you know in in every situation so i just wanted to acknowledge that and um, one question that i have for both of you and i would like to talk a little bit about and of course you can you know just uh, go back to any any other topics that we already covered but this is something that came up for me a couple of times that what happens you know when you work with intense trauma like I experienced like multiple times in my practice that you know when people are overwhelmed they are projecting because they are cannot hold it obviously they don't understand why things are happening and they are projecting it to to the person normally who triggers you know that to come to the surface so many times this person can be your guide your therapist so I'm curious you know what are your little tools and how do you deal with this situation when there is intensity in a therapeutic container and there is like a strong projection projection you know onto the therapist so I'm gonna give the sick to karma first and let's see so uh so am I am I on mute on mute okay good okay so it's a I mean it's so important what you're saying so there's a couple of things though that you said Nina that for me um a path of the course of when I take someone on, I like my clients to have psychoeducation. I like them to know what they're signing up for, why they're signing up for it. Mm -hmm. So there's part of the responsibility already happening in the initial uh, communication between the two of us. So with um, EMDR, because it's so specifically protocoled, there, there is a fundamental way that we work, and, and rightly so. So we follow a specific protocol um, to keep the client as safe as possible. They're educated beforehand. Um, 
as much as one can, uh, as long as somebody doesn't have um, complex psychosis, there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to work with, with anyone with complex trauma and have spent many, many years working with extreme trauma and complex trauma. So sometimes people do have an ab reaction in processing and that will be part of the processing. So as long as we are aware that sometimes uh, memories are hidden, they're dissociated from, uh, they are suppressed sufficiently, we don't know at any given moment what may or may not surface. Mm -hmm. So we are both um, made very mindful of that be before the work begins. But of course, there are no guarantees and that something may and sometimes does come to the surface that may have been suppressed for 20, 30, five years, two years, six months, who knows. And in my work, that doesn't, um, how can I say, that is part of the course that I will come, like we get in a car, uh, driving, always mindful that something may or may not happen. We're always aware, we come, uh, we come to whatever storyline, when we get on an aeroplane, we go through the safety um, for something that may or may not happen. And it's the same in, 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 in my work in, in any healthy therapeutic environment, that that part of our experience may or may not happen. And if it does happen, that we're prepared for it. So there's a preparation beforehand, a specific protocol uh, that ab reaction may happen. And if it does, we continue processing like we would with any other storyline, whether it's known or unknown. And it's really important for me to hold again that space of safety, that if I'm in a car and I'm a driving instructor and I've got somebody and there's a car coming towards us, that I have the ability to stop the car if they can't. And it's the same in the therapeutic environment, that if I feel for any reason and invariably I won't stop the car because I know that they are going to be able to stop it. However, if for any reason they can't, then I'm there to stop it for them. So we have a spoken commitment that happens prior to the work that if something really uncovers and, and, and in my years that has happened, that we just process it like we process anything else, any other storyline that's known or unknown, we just keep working through, holding the space and allowing it and allowing it and allowing it and allowing it until they are no longer triggered by it. So it's actually, um, that's why I call it sacred because the reality is often with sacred space, we never quite know what may or may not show up. There are no givens in that regard other than the protocol that, that we abide to and that we work with. So um, in that regard, holding the space and always looking at the periphery, always allowing that the person, even though they are in control, you are there with them, making sure that they are safe within that space. And, and to be fair to them and to myself, that is actually the best that any of us can do. And once they know, whether they know it from a, a, felt, a felt sense or whether they know it from a mindfulness that, that they are in a safe place and that you can hold that space no matter what shows up, we're good. Whether it's 
unseen or whether it's seen, whether I'm working with paranormal trauma, whether I'm working with physical trauma, whether it's sexual trauma, it doesn't matter what trauma is, it actually doesn't matter to me. Trauma is trauma. And my goal is to get them out of the tunnel, out of the trauma into a place of um, homeostasis. That's my job. And as long as I am committed to that job, we're good. I'd like to now pass the stick over, please. Thank you, sister. This was so beautiful. And yeah, I, I was thinking, you know, maybe there is some other ways, but that's that's the way normally I do it as well. When like I work with plant medicine, I work with the ayahuasca that I use, you know, in the therapeutic process. And I explained to people at the very beginning when we signed that agreement, I also have an agreement with people that helps, you know, to establish this container and this safety that things will get worse before they get better. And you will want to quit, you know, at one point, you're going to hate me probably at one point and, you know, just telling you in advance. So when we get to that point, I can remind you that it's not personal, that it's not about you know me or whatever but it but it's just part of the process so let's just use this you know for for your healing for your benefit and um that's normally works very well for me you know just to remind people when they are in the intensity that you remember we talked about it how this is you know part of the healing process it's okay to feel this way you know let's work with this I only had like two clients in my entire practice who who left at that point, even though we talked through, even though I did everything the same way that I normally do, and I tried to provide that information before, and, and still it was just, it, they were in such a place that they, they, they left, you know, and and I, I took it really personally, I have to confess at the beginning, and I was like, what's wrong with me? I did something wrong. You know, I have to change something so on and so forth. And then I sit in meditation, you know, to, to receive more guidance on this. And what I received in that moment was that this is the best that that is can happen to that person right now they have to be alone they have to completely be disconnected you know and 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 that is part of their healing so you you can't have them right now and and I was like of course you know sometimes you know sometimes that is healing you have to go into a cave and be alone and look at your shadow alone and and and, and it's necessary you know that I, I believe you know most of the time it's it's helpful to be a guide or to be somebody who can help you but sometimes I personally did have experiences like that when I was completely alone or in in a medicine journey or something there's like you know you are alone you know facing your your so that's not necessarily a bad thing that's that's my point that I wanted to take uh, or to to communicate to your audience that um, sometimes you know there is a higher power there is higher intelligence that is guiding and I do have ultimate trust and faith you know in this in consciousness in the power of love and 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 know that if I don't know everything you know and even if I don't understand with my finite little human mind why is this happening right now it's still happening for a reason and it's happening for the benefit of that person because both of our intention when we entered into this process was for healing and truth and you know how does that look like 
for each individual is it can be very different so but i just really wanted to to um, bring this into our circle and into our conversation so i'm going to give the the chance to you kelly to add your pearls of wisdom to this thank you love so i do much of the same that you ladies do um i set my clients up for this like we're going into work to release subconscious programming and trauma and painful things and so it is going to stir things up so i i remind people as well like this is a messy process in the beginning as we're taking things out and figuring out what are we going to keep and what are we rearranging it feels a little discombobulating at times and then I also do offer myself uh, during the week if they need to reach out for anything, like if, a, if something comes up with the actionables I'm giving them and, and they're feeling triggered or they're not sure how to move forward, I do offer to let them reach out to me. And then sometimes, you know, I have clients that reach out and I can feel right away that the, the, the stuff is turning up, right? The life is becoming chaotic because they've learned to hear themselves. And so now their body's like, hey, look at this, look at this, look at this. And it feels a little bit overwhelming. And I get messages that are projecting a little bit like it has a slight feeling of you did this to me. <laughs> now my relationship isn't working and now this and now that. And so Oftentimes when, when those moments happen, I realize there's not a lot of reasoning I might be able to do in that moment when somebody is really triggered. And this again is understanding our body technology. When we're triggered, it's just our mammalian brain thinking. It's freaking out. It's just like, ah, safety, safety, safety. And like our neocortex checks out in a lot of ways. And so I, I understand like they're in the emotion in that moment. And so I give some space to breathe. And then when we connect, when we reconnect, I, I will very often lead them through a process that calms them, brings them back into their body, re-regulates their nervous system. So that way they're in a state to actually receive information. Because when our, when our nervous system is all uh, triggered, it's not as open to reason and to actually receiving anything, whether it's information or love, it's like the injured dog, right? You come after the injured dog. And even if you have the best of intentions, if it doesn't, if it's not familiar with you, it will bite out, it will, um, it will bite, right? It will act out. And so um, it's, it's a little bit different with each client, right? Like feeling into where are they coming to me uh, from? And then also when we do make that initial contact, whether it's in person or on the phone, I hand them back their power. And I say, what's coming up? Where is this in your body? Where is this theme in what we've been going through? How are you seeing this manifest in your life? So giving them that opportunity to own their process and not be the victim and realize, wow, I do have some power to shift the situation. And then sometimes there are those people that none of that's going to work and they're not ready. Like you said, Nina, and in that moment, it's releasing them lovingly and keeping my arms open if, if they should choose to come back. So beautiful. Thank you. 
Um, I, I really love, you know, that what you mentioned, you know, giving them the chance to own their process and empowering them and also to use nonverbal tools. We all have these tools. Carmel does EMDR, you use, you know, breath and different uh, uh, body practices, semantic experience, so on and so forth. And I also use breath work. So when, when my client shows up in like emotionally triggered and super activated, we just start with laying on the table and let's breathe. And once, you know, they move through the emotion, then <clears throat> we can sit and talk more. And as Kelly said, when when people are in that in that trigger it, there is no reason no logic so it's it's not the best way to do verbal therapy in that moment and might not be so um effective so i love that you know just bringing in different tools to our practice to to assist people you know in the moment uh regarding what do they need at that moment and what would be the most helpful for them you know to to move through that moment of intensity or overwhelm or or discomfort um um it's it's an hour now so we're gonna slowly wrap it up but one more thing that i really wanted to to talk about and and of course we're gonna go around and anything that you would like to add and share about length of the therapy what is your your perspective on this i'm so curious because as traditionally you know trained as a psychologist i was very indoctrinated that you have to be in psychotherapy for like 10 years or 15 years you know and you're still kind of working on things and 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 i remember even when i was in university i really didn't resonate with this idea that it has to take such a long time and so I, I'm wondering when my question is here, really, that we can reflect on that. When does it become a therapeutic container enabling, you know, this function? Because I think that sometimes can happen, you know, that people don't really want to change or, or make a difference, that it's a kind of, it becomes a venting for them. Oh, I go to my therapist and I'm going to just unload, you know, but I'm not going to do much about it. And this, this, this kind of just enables, you know, dysfunctional behavior. So what is your perspective on that do you have any kind of end line what do you think is there a timeline for you know what what how long therapy should take or uh, when it becomes how do you know when it becomes more like enabling uh, instead of you know helping or assisting somebody so Carmel giving you the chance to reflect so um the one thing I know and learned as a talk therapist for many years, that with trauma specifically, that the more we talk about trauma, the more we embed in neurologically. So um, as we learn through repetition, uh, as we know children learn, we learn by doing something over and over again. The thing about talk therapy where it's wonderful is that it can hold space, it can create that safety container, it can give people the opportunity to have a loving um, relationship with another that they may not have before. So all those things are really, really beneficial to the nervous system, no question. Um, and there are so many different schools of thought now about what is beneficial, what isn't beneficial, but within EMDR specifically, we are focusing primarily on trauma, complex, uh, chronic, acute, so it has a very specific agenda. And if I'm working with somebody with an acute trauma, um, 
which is a one-off. It has a very, very evident beginning, a middle and an end. Let's just say somebody's coming to me if we use the analogy of car crashes and hopefully nobody who's listening to this is going to get triggered. So forgive me, but whatever storyline I say is going to affect somebody out there. So all I'm going to say is why I say it, please breathe, just deep breathe. If I'm triggering you, get some help because that's not good. But it is, if it is, it is a flag to say, yeah, help is out there, go get help. So if I'm working with somebody who's had half a dozen car crashes and the last car crash was the icing on the cake and they can no longer drive. Because it's an acute trauma, it's, it's, it's very specific. I can, I can help that person uh, get back in the car driving again within 10 sessions and less, which is fabulous because there's no need. But if we're in talk therapy, you're going to embed it more and more. The more you talk about the trauma, the more the neurological system is going to embed it. We don't want that. So EMDR is very specific. It has a wonderful uh, research-based um, practice where we, we see it. Now we put you in an MRI scan. We get you to think about your worst part of the trauma. It fires up the limbic system. We know it hasn't processed. We take you out the MRI. We process, process, process. We wake up both hemispheres of the brain. We then put you back into the MRI. You won't need to do that. But the research-based, um, uh, for the, the evidence-based research, we need to be able to see it. It will, it will fire up the long-term memory of the back of the brain. That's what we see. We know it's then processed. They know it's processed because they're off happily driving again. Yeah, everybody's happy. So for an acute trauma, by definition, it can be very, very, very fast. So that's a wonderful thing. However, invariably, I'm working with people who have chronic trauma. So it may have started in childhood, when they've lived with it, they may have PTSD, they may have complex PTSD or chronic PTSD, whatever they have, by definition, is going to take longer. But in my work, I, with love and respect, want to get them in and out and back on to wherever they need to be as quickly as possible. So, so I'm really all about focusing on the end game. What do they want? What do they want as their goal? What will tell them that they are well enough, trauma-free enough, healed enough specifically that gives them the key that they know that's good, I've done enough. So if I'm working with somebody, again, I apologize. I know I'm talking about specific subjects, but obviously I get specific subjects. If someone's come to me and they've had sexual abuse, they want to be able to have a loving, intimate relationship, then that may be their end game, that may be their end goal. And once that is happening then in their life, we know that the process has happened. Again, I don't need to put them in an MRI to find that. They will know that because the evidence will be there for them. And that really, in my work, there's no reason why I should be working with anyone well, it's difficult to say because obviously, again, again, as soon as I make a play for it, there's always going to be people outside. But EMDR is a relatively quick therapy compared to other, other therapies. So, so I want to know what people, uh, what their outcome is, what they want, what their goal is, and then we work towards that as their end game. And once they feel, so again, if I'm working with somebody who has a, a phobia of flying, and they're flying and happy, the work is done. If they want to do something else, then of course we start again, maybe with something else. 
but there's no reason why therapy, uh, specifically this kind of therapy, is long-term. It isn't. And that's, for me, really, really wonderful. Passing the stick. Lovely. I love that. <laughs> I have to go and try that. That's something I never tried in MDR. I'm super excited. We, can we do it online, Carmel? Or you I only do it online. Oh, perfect. Okay. I'm going to sign I mean, up. I don't only do it online. I only do it online at the moment because life is presented. I mean, I've done it online for years and years and years because obviously you work with people all over the world as we all do, but, but now it's permanently online. Right. So, yeah. yeah, this, this online space, you know, gave us, maybe we can also, you know, talk about this a little bit because I had such a resistance at the beginning, you know, to do sessions online. I was very wired, you know, to do it in person. And, you know, for a big amount of my practice, I, people did come to me in person. And then, you know, as, as I got more international, you know, that wasn't an option for everybody. And now with this situation, it's, it's, it's really went, you know, online. And I was so pleasantly surprised, you know, that just the power of intention and energy and connectedness and, and, and that really we are so powerful and, and so amazing. And because we are energetic beings and everything is energy, we can connect, you know, it, it, through space and time. So this is something truly wonderful. So yeah, thank you for that. Kelly, do you have something to share with us about this? Yes, thank you. So this is this is a question I get with every single client. How long is it going to take to heal? <laughs> and for every single person, I say, well, what are we working with and how dedicated are you to your process? Because every person will heal as fast as they are willing to put the work in, right? If you're not going to water your own garden, it's not going to grow. That's just the way it is. We can't depend on all these other people to water us. We must actually water our own garden. So that's the first thing I tell with everybody, because again, I, I desire that they own their power in this whole process. And um, it, it's really a challenge to say because the work that I do is pretty deep. Like I'm working with people that are probably at their wit's end. When I do the trauma work, they're at their wit's end and they need something. They're just done. Right. So that, that process is an intensive two week process of four hour, um, six, four hour sessions. So it's 24 hours of work and it's broken up over two weeks. And then that gives them so much to work with. It's, when they go through that healing process, it is, it's learning by doing it. So as they go through it, they're learning how to do these things themselves. There's so many things that they get to go home and practice with as they're integrating the two weeks that they did with me. And then there could be follow-up sessions after that. Like if something new comes up and they're not sure how to do it, or they're like, yeah, I'm aware of what I, of what needs to move out of my body. Let's schedule a session. So there are those one-off sessions. And then I also have the, the four week, six week, or even longer coaching programs where people are really dedicated to going deep inside of their body and developing that intimate relationship of understanding the language and the nuances and, um, shifting their body in a nuanced way as well. So even though I've been doing psychosomatic therapy for years now, I still do it. It's a practice. I do it every day and it becomes this intimate relationship where I'm like, oh, I, I overextended my thumb. Well, what does that mean? 
oh, my feminine will, I'm overextending my feminine will. Well, how am I doing that in my life? So it can be as deep or as shallow as people desire to go. And it's also um, the work that they are committed to doing. And there are those clients that expect that I'm, I'm a magician and we'll do some work and they'll just magically heal everything. And when I have those clients, again, I, I share with them, you are the healer, you are the magic, I am the guide, you are the magic. And if you're not willing to put the work in, then our contract is over. And this is also something that I write in our contracts too, where if you don't show up for the work, you forfeit the work. And that's also building in them the, the understanding of they are the creator of their reality. It's a choice they made to not show up. And when they don't show up, this is the outcome of not showing up. That's part of building the consistency with clients too. Because a lot of people, when they come and they want to do this healing work, they haven't had a lot of structure in the past. So you bring that structure and already the subconscious is freaking out like, oh my God, we're going to be changing programs. Wait, we've been living this long. We don't want to change our programs. So you have that going on. And then also... The, the hard work, like who likes to go to the gym when we're overweight, right? It sucks. It's painful. And the only way to lose the weight and become healthy is to keep going to the gym. So yeah, it's, it's hard to put a timeline on healing. And I also agree with Carmel that um, the talk therapy is very limited. Um, I did talk therapy for a while before I started this healing journey. And it helped me normalize why I was the way I was. And it also didn't give me the power to actually shift anything. And I remember I would go into my therapy sessions. This is how I would love clients to show up with me, putting this out there. I would go to my therapy sessions and be like, hey, I'm reading this new book and it's talking about this therapy. Do you have friends that you could call? Could we try this? Do you have other therapist friends? <laughs> like, so this, it's a, it's a co-creative process and it's how dedicated are you? I love that. I totally so resonate with that. I always say that, you know, to, to my clients that you get out what you put in, you know, especially with, with this plant medicine is just so true. And, um, I think, you know, that our point is here really just to communicate to our audience that therapy doesn't need to last for years and years and years, you know, that can be actually more like enabling a dysfunction than actually healing. So, um, you know, how well a therapies uh, work for you or, or the therapist you are working with, you can, you can measure, you know, that with based on everything that we were talking about do, do you do you feel safe in that container that can you open up and uh, do you have like informed consent do you feel clear about why are you there what's what's going to happen you know what is the outline so on and so forth but i think you know the biggest measure is how well something is working you know of of how much your life is changing so if you are in therapy for five years and no matter what kind of therapy and you still have the same problem maybe it's not the right person or not the right tool to to help you or to assist you because i think you know what we're trying to communicate here this is really not necessary if you are committed if you are willing to do the work whatever that work is it can be shown up on the sessions it can be doing different practices that you are required to do you know then 
then it it changes will happen you know like almost immediately in your life some things will shift and change and you're going to feel that and you're going to feel different you're going to feel better your relationships will improve you know so on and so forth so you can measure that you know how well things are working for you and just to to emphasize you know the other point is that you know, you are your own healer. So you need to put in some effort and, and to expect from any kind of therapist or, or modality that it will do all the work for you is simply a wishful thinking, you know, because it's like you need to participate in this process. At least that is my experience. That is my perspective. And uh, I do work with people a little bit longer. My program is one, one year long with this specific medicine with the ayahuasca but that is a complete like a changeover of your life it's really like all my clients who did this program they their primary relationships change they move location they they change their their job you know um so it was like fundamental fundamental changes in their life and all these people as as carmen referred as well the, the, these were like hopeless cases they were like oh i tried everything for years and years you know com coming from one place to another and nothing helped me and um you know, I, 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 my experience is that this particular plant medicine has a way of, you know, working with people and, and going this full round, round around the medicine wheel that, that we are doing is this uh, passing through this death and rebirth process is kind of takes a little bit longer time. Well, it's relative what is long, right? If you suffered for 50 years and now within one year, you can totally like, change that i think it's it's not a long time you know but but if you compare it to like a 10-week program or something that you can say maybe it's a little bit longer but uh i also find that you know from people who want what kelly mentioned that i i get a cause and ask uh will one session help me and i'm like not not much <laughs> you know like what are you expecting like you know there is a lot there to to release and and to to process so the minimum amount of sessions i do is six you know like people have to commit to at least six sessions to so they get an idea you know and they experience some change you know during that six uh, weeks i i do have this experience that that that, that they people experience some measurable change that they can feel and it's tangible in their life and uh, so again you know going to the extreme of being in therapy for many, many years and nothing is changing or to um, to expect, you know, that within one or two sessions, you know, everything will be fixed. So some somewhere the, the golden middle is the, is the in-between, right? You know, depending on the person and as Karma said, what kind of trauma or issues they are dealing with. And uh, when people ask me, you know, that if one session will help me, I always, say that you know if you would release all the trauma that you are holding within 24 hours you would go insane you would probably break down mentally and emotionally you won't be able to handle and i know that from my experience of going through my shadow work and my trauma and if i just imagine that 
all that thing would have happened, you know, in 24 hours, I don't think I could have handled it. I think it, it would have just re-traumatized me, you know, to, to a deeper level. So there is this infinite intelligence, I think, you know, uh, consciousness or your soul or higher self, whatever you want to call it, God, that is, knows, you know, whatever we are ready for. And, and there is like a step-by-step -step process, you know, to go to really to the root of the problem and, and just uproot it there. So such a good conversation. And probably we will continue, you know, with this topic uh, because there is so much to say. And I hope that uh, we could give people who are looking for uh, safe places, you know, to, to hear some kind of insight, you know, what are some of the the, the considerations that they can think about when they choose a place or a person or a modality and um, this this is why we are here this is why we're doing this conversation and also to inspire obviously all the healers and teachers to to embody you know this integrity that we are talking about so before we wrap it up for today uh, do you have any kind of message that you want to put out to the world it doesn't necessarily has to be around this topic but anything that you feel passionate about or you would like to communicate let's give some space to that so carmel giving you the stick love thank you mina um, so what I'd like to say uh, is how privileged I am to have just spent the last maybe an hour and a half, two hours, I wasn't actually clock watching uh, time with two incredible women um, and just to really honour, people listen up, just to really honour the work that you and Kelly do. Kelly, I'm, I'm really beyond privileged to meet you today and to see the work that you do and to get the opportunity to look at your website. And um, as, I, as I said earlier, I've known Nina for a while and I know she is a woman of such integrity. And, and to be fair um, to the world, that is a rare quality. That is a rare quality. We talk about integrity like it's something that um, is natural. It isn't always natural. It's something that needs to be looked at, in my experience, every second of every day that I'm working. Am I in integrity in this moment? Is what I'm saying filled with integrity? And right now, my heart is about as big as this room plus. Because the integrity that I witnessed this afternoon with the two women that I was blessed to share this space with, I just want to say that we may do three very, very different modalities. And I would feel very, very safe to work with either of you. And in fairness, I don't find myself saying that very often. So I just want to pay homage to to the beautiful work that we all are blessed to do and will hopefully continue to do um, as much as life wants us to continue to do it so thank you very very much for honoring me um, nina i love you you're an extraordinary human being just keep doing whatever it is you're doing because you're a shining light in this world and Kelly, I would love to know more about your work. It looks amazing. Um, and I love the fact that you have added love to your name. No wonder you love that. Love in the love. Thank you so, so much. 
Thank you, sister. No comment on that. I'm just receiving. <laughs> Kelly Love. I'm also going to receive all of that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That feels really good. And it actually does feel really good to be in the presence of two women who uh, embody integrity and are so passionate about bringing integrity into this world right now. And I've been thinking about what I would like to share and I've been dreaming about my dream world. And my dream world is where we all stand in the truth of who we are and witness each other and the truth of who we are and we love each other back into wholeness. There is, there's a lot of lack of integrity going on and truth heals and love heals. And as scary as it may be to see the truth of a situation one time or at any time, it is an invitation from your soul, from the universe to shift the trajectory. The, the dissonance, the dis-ease is being highlighted because it's desiring to be healed. So my desire is to birth love in an even pure way, uh, even more pure way in this world and for all of us to stand in the truth of who we are and love each other. <laughs> Amen, sister. Aho. <laughs> you, aho for that. So wonderful. Yeah, just so much gratitude and love. I'm, I'm so blessed, you know, to, to know both of you and to have just creating these spaces when we can gather and share and be in service. I'm just really, really so, so grateful and blessed in my life. And I needed this today. Definitely, I had a little bit intense week. So I feel so uplifted just by sharing this space with both of you and then having this awesome conversation. And yeah, I just want to uh, connect to what, what both of you were saying. Uh, <clears throat> To imagine a world you know where we can all show up in our best you know in our on, in our most highest self and treat each other and treat ourselves you know with that love and respect and integrity and then once we are able to do that it's, it's i think automatically we treat each other like that we treat other people like that and uh, yeah just to remember for our audience that you are the healer and love is the medicine and and that's the most powerful force you know that i ever came across uh, that goes beyond all technology and all plants and all everything is is really the power of love and um and i'm i'm really happy and grateful you know to to be in service to this love and i think that that is what our world is needing so much right now, you know, just pouring this love into our mm. relationships, into our everyday, into every moment, you know. Mm. And um, yeah, more, more, more is yet to come. So um, I encourage all of our uh, listeners and viewers, uh, go to the description. We're gonna include um, all of our websites and offerings. So if you resonate, if you resonate with what we are talking about here, please feel free to 
to connect with us and also um, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Healing and Awakening with Nina Itzel. Uh, so you can receive all the new episodes about this roundtable. We gather um, each month or every six weeks around with, with a new topic. So you're welcome to do that if you, if you resonate with this message and this space and this energy and just sending you so much love from all of our hearts. Mm. So, oceans of love much love to everybody 